A club born in 1963 out in Essendon, starting out in E-grade. It didn't take long for St Bernard's to find their feet, winning the Premiership in their first year, and then again in their second year in 1964. In total, they've claimed over 20 VAFA Premierships, including seven senior flags, with over 30 finals campaigns. It's a great club that is the envy of all clubs out in the Essendon district, with 21 senior men and one senior woman having the honour bestowed on them to lead the Snow Dogs onto the snake pit into the field of battle. A ground that is despised by the opposition but adored by the home fans. Club legend Michael Perrett still loves walking across the oval that has given him a lifetime of memories and made him an icon of this club. From Jeff Tobin to Luke Gallant, from Danny Byrne to Adam Bentick, the Madden Boys to the Caven Trio, the club boasts a long honour roll. No matter what the club has had thrown at them, the words of the club song still ring true. They are a side that won't be beaten. They are a force forever strong. This is the St. Bernard's Old Collegians Footy Club, Club in Focus. My name's Joe Pignataro, and it gives me great pleasure to welcome in the voice, the face, and the best-dressed man in the Amos, Mr. Nick Armistead, the head of the media department. Hello, Nico. Hello, Joey. Great intro, mate. Very excited. I can hear it in your voice. <laughs> I knew that when we put the call out to clubs for this Club in Focus podcast, if St. Bernard's came back, that you'd be the happiest little fella alive. So I can tell just how excited you are, despite the fact, Tone, that they still probably don't know. Oh. But I do look. I know we've got a long list of uh, guests today, and I do look forward to uh, asking any of them um, about you and your down there um, and about how Pez last time called you Big Tone. So, <laughs> no, really excited about that. Um, great history at St. Bernard's, and I look forward to delving into it with all of our guests tonight. Uh, we cannot wait. We're going to speak to a host of stars from the St. Bernard's Footy Club. We'll tell you a little bit more about them shortly. We'll hear from Michael Perrett, who is an out-and-out legend, not only of St. Bernard's, but of the Amos across the board, across the history of the competition, which has gone over 120 years. This is the Club in Focus podcast, and we aim to look at every club within the Amos competition, and it wouldn't be possible without the help and support of Mequacare. They're a proud partner of the Amos and they help bring us this very podcast. They are the only club to win a seniors and reserves flag in their first year in the Amos, which I just think is an incredible feat. It only took them 13 seasons to work themselves up to Prem, where they've stayed for the most part. Joey, no not too much thanks to you, I don't think. It's got everything to do with me, but you're right. <laughs> in terms of those numbers, so they entered the competition in 1963 in E-grade. They won the reserves flag and a couple of hours later have won the E-grade seniors flag. And then in 1964 in D-grade, they've won that flag. And then in the late 60s, they played off in grand finals in C and in B to be elevated into A-grade. And interestingly enough, Nico, they're one of the few sides that now that they've been in A grade in 1971, have only gone down to B grade and not any lower 
since then. Mm. So just nearly 50 years playing in A and B. They've won, I think it's three or four B-grade flags. They've won the three A-grade flags in that time. But interestingly enough, Nico, in 1971, this is their first year in A-grade now. We know the competition and footy has advanced a long way in the 50 years. But they got to the prelim final and just went down to that powerhouse side in Ormond back in the 70s. Can you imagine if they had gone through and won the 71 flag in A-grade for the first time Oh, it would have been massive. That Ormond side, though, back in oh, the day was very, very, very strong. I think our uh, CEO may have been a part of that team oh, back then, or maybe it was a little bit early for the great man, but that's an unbelievable effort for St. Bernard's. And I know that you mentioned it in your little intro, the crowd down there, teams, some do fear and <laughs> do dislike going out to the snake pit. Don't a say some, of, um, they all do. Yeah, well, there's a lot of chatter, usually, not so much in the last few years. I certainly haven't seen it. But what I'm told is always a little bit of chatter from across the boundary line. Oh, you wouldn't have anything to do with that, would you? Well, not anymore because I, um, well, I've been playing and then I you would used to go and hang out just after the reserves and thirds games because I wasn't in the senior side. But now that I'm doing the match of the day broadcast, I don't get to go down as often as I would have liked. And uh, But behind the goals, it used to be just, it was game on for anyone. It was fair game. If you were the full back or if you were the full forward and you were kicking to the pavilion end, the Michael Perrick grandstand that it is, oh, you're in for a very, very long afternoon out in the snake pit. And one of the great things of, about the club is obviously, as you said, it's a powerhouse out in that Essendon area, but there is a lot of competition from other from other leagues and that obviously pay players. And I think three of your seven a or B grade flags, you've been relegated the season after just because of that lure that does come from those other clubs. For the most part, I know we're going to be talking to Nathan Kazuro, the players seem to come back. They certainly do. And he's actually a good example of that. Was part of the 2015 A grade side and then went away from the footy club. But the door is always open for those players to come back and Nathan was one of those guys. It happened again in 2018 when they won the B grade flag. A few players went elsewhere. And then they were faced with their own challenges last year, not only coming up to A grade and taking that jump, but then trying to fill the void that those players left. It's a long honour roll that the footy club has, Nico. Now, there is one thing that I do want to make mention of because it's in the Forever Strong St Bernard's book and it's got to do with the jumper. And, you know, for a long time I've been on about it uh. in a jovial fashion, but the colours of St Bernard's, the yellow, the black and the blue. It's Sandringham jumper for those who aren't aware of it. I've looked through a few old photos. It looks absolutely fantastic. I've played a lot of games in it. But it's got a little pinstripe along the, uh, the black stripes in the yellow. Maybe that might be my new campaign is to bring back the pinstripe and look a little bit old school. And if we can bring back a collar, can I put the call out there to our footy club to bring back a collar on the jumper? Maybe not so much the colours. Let's let's take that to the side because they weren't allowed to wear the school strip because it's the same as old Carey's jumper, the black and the gold and blue V. Really? Yeah. Since when? Yeah. No, this is a serious podcast. <laughs> we're, we're, I've never been on. It's got nothing to do with old Carey. This has got the ammos <laughs> written all over it and their rubbish rules. But let's talk about bringing back the pinstripe and the collar. And in fact, Nico, through the 70s, in some of the photos and one of the premiership years, you'll see they run out in yellow shorts. Oh, I like that. I really like the yellow shorts. You do not see that very often, if at all. What we need to do is promote this clearly. Um, we yes. need a model. So I, th I suppose that 
that would be you. We'll get you down in your collared shirt with a bit of a pinstripe, probably the first time someone like you has worn a pinstripe, and your yellow shorts. What do you reckon? Happy to, of course, happy to. Um, Collingwood wear a pinstripe, so I have worn a pinstripe before, but I'm not in a suit or any form. But footy jumpers with a pinstripe, it looks quite smart, looks quite elegant. So I'd be very happy to model anything that has to do with the St Bernard's Footy Club. There are some people that we should make mention of that have made this club so great over the years, and four of them, Nico, are in our 300 club. It's Jared Marnie, Andrew Nathan, Benny Hogan, and I actually had the pleasure, Nico, of playing... In Justin Evans' 300th game, he has the worst left foot kick in the history of the competition across 120-odd years, and he was placed at fullback and given the duties to kick out. Shocking kick of the football. You know when you tell Ruckman, don't kick it? Well, you tell the same thing to Evo. He could not kick, but he is part of our 300 club, which is fantastic. We've had four Woodrow medals, 1977 Peter Orton, 1980, Bernard Angel. 1998, Luke Gallant. This man has been voted our number one player across the history of the footy club, Lukey Gallant. And more recently, in 2015, was this your first year in the competition, Nico, when Adam Bentick won the Woodrow Medal in uh, controversial circumstances, would we say? I think you could say controversial circumstances. Want to relive that for the St Bernard's fans? At the River Room at Crown, I don't, and I'd never met Patrick Crabb at that point. I'd only been there for a few few months, and I've never seen a group of people angrier at someone who had still won. <laughs> let's be honest, the Woodrow Medal, but there was a little bit of confusion because I think Waterboy may have polled votes. Um, either way, it was an outstanding count. I think Adam Adam won it with Ross Young he did. from University Blues to exceptionally uh, good players. Four times he's won the club best and fairest. Lukey Gallant, we mentioned, has won it three times. We should also make mention, Nico, of Mick O'Day, who's won the B-grade best and fairest across the competition. We've had leading goal kickers in C, B and A. John Sharkey, Brian Marnie, Tim Harvey back in the day. What about Andrew Merrington? Never at Carlton. He was uh, there in 2015, Nico. Unfortunately, not part of the Premiership side. And, of course, in more recent years, with the worst 100th goal in the history of the game, Chad Jones out at Ajax oh. on the goal line. However, if it ends up on the Sportsbet Facebook page and gets tweeted across the country, it is well worth a mention on this very podcast. That was an unbelievable season from Chadwick. I think he played 13, 14 games. Kicked 100 goals. It was a year out of retirement. What an individual season. Probably one of the best that you'll ever see at community level. Uh, It was absolutely fantastic. Nico, we've got plenty more stats and people that we're going to mention across the next half an hour or so talking about the St Bernard's Footy Club. But first up, we are going to go back and relive a chat you and I both had with uh, who would arguably be the number one ticket holder, the number one man. If we're building statues at St Bernard's, the first one is of this man. His name is on the pavilion. It is Michael Perrett. So, Nico, on, uh, in the middle of last year, on the pre-game show ahead of St Bernard's and Uni Blues, Michael Perrett was down at the footy club. He's a legend of our club. He's done just about everything that you can do at the footy club. He's the first player in the club's history to reach 50 games, 100 games, 150 games, and then 200 games. He's played in every division between 1963 and 1973. He's been a reserves coach, a senior coach. He's had two stints as the president. And as I made mention, his name is on the pavilion. 
How about that for a CV, if you do not mind? And you and I had the great privilege last year of talking to him. I remember this interview just being enthralled and captulated by the entire thing. Like I couldn't stop watching. If you had a video camera on us, it was just me and you sitting there with our arms folded, just basically staring at Michael the entire time, just hanging off every word. Like He obviously has incredible stories to tell, but the way he delivers them as well is just it's fantastic. And, I, and anyone who's about to listen to this, really um, take a seat because this is one of the better interviews that you'll hear. Well, here he is, Michael Parrott from last year's pregame show out at St Bernard's. Well, I was fortunate enough to be in the very first side that St Bernard's had right back in 1963. I left St Bernard's in 1961 and we didn't have an old boys team then at started the following year and uh, I played in that side we were good enough to win the premiership all the way down in E grade following year we were good enough to win it in D grade and so it prog- progressed and I was one of the lucky ones and probably one of the few who uh, has played in the grand final in every grade from E grade right through to A grade A grade uh, I played against Ormond, which was my last game, and they beat us in the grand final in 1973. So. Now, you've also been coaching and you've been the president a couple of times here. I have. This yeah. club, it's impossible to leave. Well, I've found it that way. My boys, of course, both played. Steve played over 200 games and, and had a wonderful career, so it was good to be able to follow him through. And as you say, I was president for a good period of time. And, I, I did coach in my early days for a while. I was no good at that. <laughs> so I decided to stick with the admin side and uh, get rid of the coaching. What were the golden years of this footy club, Michael? Was it when we were started in the in the 60s? Or was it the 90s or was it sort of early 2000s? Uh, it depends which way you look at it, Joe. I, I think as far as camaraderie, um, the early years probably probably win there because we were all so involved and it was all so new to us and we we're only you know 19 20 years of age so uh, you're far more impressionable then but if it comes to football talent uh, we made a grade in 1971 uh, and we had a really good side in our very first year which don't forget was only our eighth year of existence we made the a grade grand final in our first year in a grade um, and we did have a lot of talent then so we felt that was a golden era and then a little bit of a hiatus for a few years, up and down in B grade. Um, and around about the year 2000, we came back very, very strongly when Nico coached and we had a very talented side then. And we had a very talented side a few years ago when we won A grade, but we were decimated very quickly with uh, suburban comps. And a few, a few blokes went to the VFL, of course, from that. I think five went to the VFL, a couple are now playing league footy. So... That's a wonderful progression for them, and it's a feather in the cap of the club that uh, you're able to produce players of that calibre. Michael, I want to ask you about the players. Yes, Having mate. been here since 1963, yes, um, you would have seen a lot of talent run through these roles. Has now, he I, ever? Now, I, <laughs> I have. Now, I don't want to miss anyone, but I'm going to when I... From, a, <laughs> from a point of view, obviously, Wayne Carey was inducted as yes. a big champion a few years ago. More recently, obviously, Chad and Adam and these sorts of operators, yeah. and clearly yourself... Outside of yourself, who do you think has probably been the most talented that you've seen come through St Bernard's? Well, exclude league players. Yep. Yeah. You mean more through the old boys, don't you? Correct. Yeah, yeah. than through the college. Uh, the best is a guy I'm sitting in there with right now in Luke Gallant, whose son is about to play his third game in the A-grade side. Luke was an absolutely outstanding player. 
he played in our senior side when he was at school, then he went down to North Under-19s where he's one of their stars in the Under-19 Premiership year. I think they won two premierships with Pagan. I don't think he got on too well with Pagan, which was probably <laughs> very, very fortunate for St Bernard's. He captained the club for nine years, won a Woodrow medal, best and fairest in the comp, and he ticks every single box. But he's got some solid competition. A guy called Greg Wade, who played in my era, yep. was a phenomenal player. Um, and in latter times, the names you mentioned, of course, Nick, are up there, but Danny Byrne was a wonderful, wonderful player. I'm surprised you've missed one pretty important name there that's come through from the mm-hmm. from the very juniors <laughs> through to I think thirds. You are a disgrace. Joey, you are Joey a disgrace. Tone they, this is Michael. a stitch up. You are a disgrace. <laughs> I, I've seen Joe gets so embarrassed when I talk. About <laughs> that does not so sound I like thought, Joe. <laughs> I thought I'd leave him out. I may not be the best, but Apologies I, can, I can definitely tell you that I am the loudest. There is no one here that will be louder than I'll ever be. So there's Michael Perrett from the pregame show last year. Nico, this man as we mentioned, has done just about everything. But the footy club wouldn't be possible without the help of others around the place. Now, for those who want to know more about Michael Perrett, get yourself the Forever Strong St Bernard's book because he has written the foreword, which I reckon I've read 15 times. It is just a magnificent piece of literature. What a nice (laughs) word that is, literature. Uh, Get around it because it is absolutely (laughs) fantastic. But there's a few other people, Nico, that in the modern day you'll know and there's a few that have been made mention to us from the St Bernard's Footy Club that deserve to be recognised throughout this podcast. Yeah, Joey, obviously the one that stands out to me is Scatters, Glenn Scarborough, the great man, the voice of the St Bernard's Footy Club, I would have thought. The voice, Don't know about you any. reckon? Scatters. Oh, absolutely. If you're not tuning into Northwest FM over there, I don't know what you are tuning into. Now, Scatters has been outstanding, not just for the club over the years, but for the association as well his footy show on a Sunday night that goes for about two, three hours. And he always interviews club members from different areas, from different clubs, from Therry Panola, from Fitzroy, St. Bernard's, Brunswick, all those clubs out there, West Brunswick. I remember when he first introduced in 2017, his women's footy night. That was an outstanding listen as well. So he goes above and beyond to promote not just the club, but the competition as well, which is absolutely fantastic. And clearly the one that I also know of is, Johnny Raff. <laughs> Apparently, you don't want to feel the wrath of Raff, if it's what I'm told. <laughs> but he has done everything for about 40-odd years. You're right on both of those counts. Scatters is never short of a conversation. Uh, if you're not listening to St Bernard's Footycast, then you're more than welcome to listen to Scatters on a Sunday night, of course. The St Bernard's Footycast, if you don't mind, was the uh, podcast of the year, three years running, Nico. So, come on, don't forget that one. Uh, Johnny Raff, let me tell you, he is one of the grumpiest men in the world, but he's also one of the loveliest. I mean, I've had many conversations with Raff over the years while I've been filling drink bottles or pumping up the footies ahead of training, and... He's got my phone number and every now and then I'll just get random texts about past St. Bernard's greats that should have played in the AFL and why aren't they being mentioned on the radio these days. There's a couple of others that we do have to mention. One of them is Trev Lancaster, who did not miss a game timekeeping, Nico, for 23 years. Now, we saw recently with the AFL, of course, locking out fans for round one before the coronavirus hit. Cole Hutchinson has had to end his Geelong run at a thousand-something games. Well, Trev Lancaster, 23 years running the timekeeper. Of course, Scatters still does it with the reserve side 
every single week. Another one who is worth mentioning is Jared Marnie, the uh, 300 gamer of our footy club. He is a star as well and around the club every Thursday night. As well as that, Benny Hogan, club legend. He runs the Kick on a Saturday morning, if you don't mind. When he's not running around the cricket wickets in the middle, covered in mud like you've never seen anyone before. He runs the Kick on a Saturday morning, which is just fantastic for someone to give back not only to the club and to the facilities, but to the next generation of people coming through. But I want to get to our very next guest because she has run our canteen for over 25 years. She's made our dinners on Thursday night. It's a thankless task, as you know what it's like coming down to footy clubs on a Thursday night and some of the people that turn up to eat meals. And Veronica Maloney does it with a smile on her face every single weekend. Hi, Joe. I really like that. Yes, Thanks. It's nice, isn't it? It is, but 25 years, I suppose it nearly would be because Michael started and Brennan in the very first under-10s team. I guess that was 1994. So is that purely how you came down and got involved in the club because the boys joined as juniors and you've just yes, stayed the whole yes. time? Nick Arnazzo, Peter Johnson and Michael, my husband, I think would be part of the reason why. They were the team managers and the coaches and whatever, so yeah. That was the first time. Veronica, one of my favourite things of any club is clearly the canteen. I, myself, <laughs> I'm a big dim sim man. But I just want to ask you, over 25 years, what are some of the more favoured items that have been purchased from the St Bernard's canteen? And who are some of the bigger the bigger eaters around the club? Oh, bigger eaters? Couldn't possibly tell you that because there's too many. They're very healthy boys down there. We'd have to go... Hot dogs, dim sims, and the ham and salad rolls I make every Saturday. The dim sims dim are sims, brilliant. Dim sims are brilliant. Nico, I can vouch for the ham sandwiches. They are fantastic. And uh, most Saturdays I'll go to the canteen at St Bernard's and ask for one, and if I'm not quick enough, they're all gone. All gone. Yeah, well, you can pre-order, you know. Well, in this day and age, I might have to ask if you'd get them delivered because we're not allowed yeah, to leave the house. Ahead. Think ahead. <laughs> Tell me about our Thursday nights, Veronica, because uh, the past debate goes like I've never seen past debate go, but then, of oh. course, there's some special nights where roast porks will come down. There might be a pizza night. There might be the schnitzels. But tell us about past debate on a Thursday night. Past debate on a Thursday night. I almost miss it, but I don't want to get too carried away <laughs> because you could do up to nine trays because there's quite a lot of teams. And I would probably think those young boys that come from the under-16s coming up to the 18s and 19s think that they haven't had a meal for six months and they really devour it. <laughs> so they'd go through three trays, three trays of it, easy. So Veronica, have you seen much of a difference in food consumption since the Bernadette started over the past couple of years? Do they eat the same as the boys? Are they asking for different products? What's the go there? Oh, well, let me tell you, I tried to serve them smaller sizes because I'm being nice and thinking they're girls. And they looked at me and go, well, hello. <laughs> so we gave them the extra scoop. We do have a few more vegetarians, so we just cut out the meat and obviously do a vegetarian sauce. But otherwise, no, not a great difference at all. Who are some of the people that you've become really close friends with over the journey that have been there from when you started coming down in the early 90s to the still there today that you like to catch up with every Saturday? Well, you can't go past Johnny Raffle, let's face it. I think Nick's scared of him. Mm, I think everybody's everybody's scared of him. 
Everyone's scared of him. Players, everyone. Uh, but I'm not, really. If you look at him when he hasn't had his shave, it's just like having St. Nick running around the school. St. Nicholas, he's there. Santa, and then when he shaves, nobody knows who he is. <laughs> that is true. That is. That's very true. Very, very true. Veronica, we appreciate you giving us a few minutes of your time. Uh, if we do have football again this year, can St. Bernard's win the A-grade premiership? Absolutely, if they believe in themselves, absolutely. So that was Veronica Maloney. Over 25 years, Nico, she has run the canteen on a Saturday and, of course, the Thursday night dinners, which, as you mentioned, with the women's side coming into things at St Bernard's, uh, Thursday nights are a little bit different down at the footy club now, of course, with the Bernadettes part of Thursday nights. It's completely different for all involved at our footy club. Uh, History made last year when they took to the field for the very first time in Division 4 of the women's competition unfortunately didn't get into the finals but they had a crack nonetheless absolutely they did and one thing that we all took out i think from St Bernard's last year the Bernadettes was that they did the snake pit shuffle which was one thing that i know i enjoyed <laughs> watching anytime Paddy Crabb had sent through photos from the club photographer of the girls doing the shuffle every time they'd kick a goal so hopefully if we do see some footy this season we can see a little bit more of that but what i did take out of that last chat that we just had with Veronica was the pasta bake situation and yes. the little the little comment that, you know, no pasta bake for non-premiers. So I just wanted to ask you, because we've never really delved into it because I don't indulge you too much about your own career. Yes. But does that mean you go hungry on a Thursday night having not won a flag at Bernard's? You're just trying to rub it in, are you? You're just trying to rub it in. <laughs> Is that what you're doing? No, Kevin? I do want to ask you about, anyway, like, because you obviously played under-18s, I think, when the Ammos had an under-18s competition and were unlucky a couple of times. Yeah, so I, I joined the Ammos from the juniors as a 16-year-old and I played in the under-19s in the first year and then the Ammos created this under-18 competition. It lasted two years and I played in, in the St Bernard's team that was in the under-18s and in the first year there was just the... There was one division, I'm pretty sure. And then halfway through the year, it got split into two. So instead of having 12 teams, there might have been two groups of six. And we played off in the grand final against Oakley, who were the most dominant side of, of that season. It was out at Mazenod, and we got beaten by four or five goals. Uh, it's the only game of footy, Nico, that I actually have vision of. So one day, if you need a couple of hours to watch back a footy flashback, I'll happily provide it for you. Unfortunately, we do get beaten, but I kick one of the goals of the year. So that's my shining light from that. And then the following year, this is how I know that Highgate Reserve is the windiest and the worst ground in the competition, bar none. And if you ever schedule a grand final at Highgate Reserve, I will not be coming because I've seen St Bernard's lose uh, the qualifying final, the semi-final against Old Trinity in 2015 out there. And I lost the grand final out there against UHS by a point. We lost four goals, 10, 34 UHS, and we kicked three goals, 15, 33. Ooh. It was a shocking Ooh. game of footy on a Sunday morning at nine o'clock. I should mention that I did win a couple for school in a St. Bernard's jumper, which counts as a premiership, which means I still get fed on a Thursday night. Good. I'm glad you don't go hungry. <laughs> Big tone, tone Pignataro. Yeah. 
one of the most popular blokes down there. But when it comes to finals, mate, um, you're lucky to be there. So to just out and out say that Highgate Reserve is just a no-go zone. <laughs> well, um, it is for St. Bernard's people because we lost that grand final and we lost the semi-final to Trinity. Mind you, we did win arguably the greatest Amos grand final of all time in 2015, which we're going to chat to Nathan Kazuro about very shortly. Against Old Trinity, your first year into the Amos, Nico. But before we do that, also I should mention Simon Madden is going to join us, club legend and, of course, Essendon legend. We're going to chat to another one right now in Danny Byrne, who was part of the 2002 A-grade premiership, the one they probably shouldn't have won, St. Bernard's. But here he is, Danny Byrne. Now, Danny, we were talking about the 2002 Grand Final and the Premiership. I, I want to ask you about that in a sec, but I just want to know, first of all, how did you end up coming down to St Bernard's? Neil Lachlan, he was a good family friend of uh, my dad back in the day, and uh, he rang me a few times. to come. I was playing Abbas at the time, playing Abbas scenes, and I think he just rang at the right time, and I said, all right, I'll come down and have a train, and had a train, and never looked back. Now, Danny, it bewilders me that anyone who's won a Jock Nelson medal has played alongside Pignataro at any stage in their career. <laughs> but you were the best on ground medalist in 2002 against Zaz. Can you just take us through, like, your memories of that game and, I suppose, um, winning that A-grade flag against a team who had won six of the last seven? Uh, we, we've been playing Xavier. So we've been up there for we lost oh, 2000. Lost the prelim in 01. So we played Zavs a fair few times in the, last, in the two years prior. And I suppose that year, coming into 02, we probably didn't actually have to make expectations because we had a fair few of our older players that retired end of 2000 and 2001. I think it was just, uh, yeah, we were very lucky that we had a few guys that come up from the under-19s that we picked up, like Simon Clark and Danny Jordan had come to play with his brother. And then we had a few, Lucas Fielding and bumps so they'd come just through the cooler cannons and just end up playing with us so i think it was just a very uh just good time for us we had a few older players retire a few younger players come in and yeah just all seemed to gel really well and uh, nico just peter nixon the coach at the time just i don't know he just he just worked well with young players and just remember coming into that year yeah we didn't have many expectations but nico just told us we're going to win the grand final and kept telling us He's good enough to win it, and in the end, I suppose we just believed it. And a bit of luck, I suppose. Zaz were getting a bit older at the time. That probably helped us. We trained really hard, and I thought, well, that fit at that time. We, we, just, we didn't think anyone could beat us at that stage. We were just, probably Marcel was the biggest worry at that time of the year, I remember, because Marcel were actually uh, playing some good footy, and Scotch actually knocked them off in the first semi. So that actually, uh, we thought they were actually our biggest danger that, that year. I've got the stats in front of me. You'd be hard-pressed to find a better game of footy anywhere, but you've had 37 disposals and kicked five goals on grand final day, and you've played a lot of footy. When you think back of all the games that you've played, have you played a better one than that? You'd have to say it was one of my better games I've played, that's for sure. But no, <laughs> I don't know, you're always a product of the people around you too. So I was, I was lucky that time. I got a, we had a pretty, pretty red-hot side. I had a lot of people around me that always helped me out and give me the footy. And, I know, Nico had a game plan for us, and a lot of time, you know, they looked after me and gave me the footy because I knew I could run and kick, kick the footy. And Anthony Thomas, he'd always tag, so you know, he always knew he was looking after players. Joey Mount, Nick Smith, that always protect me. BJ would always be in there getting the ball out to me. You had Turtle, and back in the day, you know, you had Luke Delaney before that. Look, they'd always be feeding the ball out to me. So 
Ben Hogan, he always, he always tells me he's seen the ball out to me. Dad, he had a good bit. He always tells me he's good bit. Yeah, you always have, you know, you're, you're, you're a product of uh, the team, I think. And I was lucky at that stage that everyone sort of, I knew my assets, so did my teammates. They used that. And I suppose used their assets on the other side of it. So I was pretty lucky. And when you kick five goals, sometimes there's a bit of luck, sometimes it's hard work. Mm. Maybe it's a bit of both, I don't know. So you guys had actually lost a grand final two Zavs two years earlier, and that was their last flag of that six premiership run. But as you said, you're such a young team. So did you? was there many memories, I suppose, of the of two years previous when you came up against like the Michael Bloods, Simon Lethlins of the world? Or was it because you were such a young team, you had no residual feeling from two years ago and it was just all guns blazing, you're a fit, healthy, talented young team? Yeah, I reckon we did have a fair few, like, Two thousand grand final. It was very close all game. That just we, we we sort of kick ahead and does it come back? We kick ahead, does it come back? Then in the last quarter, they just went bang and they kicked ten goals to one, I think, in the last quarter and blew us out by about forty points. And I think it was only because I think that year two thousand we beat them three times. The only time they beat us was the grand final. That year, I reckon we probably thought, oh, we'll get these guys. But then, so after that happened, you sort of always thinking. That can always come back. You know, you, you never sort of, you're not that you ever write them off anyway, but you're always in the back of your mind, no matter what you're doing, you always thought, but Xavier, they've won six flags, they can always come back. So I just remember that year, it was always in the back of your mind, you just had to play four quarters, otherwise, just they can turn it on in two seconds, and next thing you're five, six goals down. And in that 2002, that, that uh, second semi, we played Zabs, and I reckon we were up about 10 goals going the last quarter. And Zaz came, Zaz came, it was a howling, it was a howling win heading towards the scoreboard at Elswick. And I think Zaz kicked nine or ten goals in the last quarter, got within a goal. And I reckon Benny Jordan, someone kicked a goal just before the siren, we actually won by six points. So that could have been actually what actually put the rocket up us to make sure we are right for that grand final. So in hindsight, that being so close in that... Uh, second semi was probably a good thing for us. Nick Mitchell was the captain that year, unfortunately wasn't part of the game and he was out injured. I mean, what was he like during that season as the captain then on grand final day when he couldn't be out there with the guys? Nick was a very good leader around the club. Like When I first got to St. Bernard, I didn't really know who Nick Mitchell he was. Didn't even know he played AFL. And so the longer you go and you play with him, you just realise how good he was. Like Nick kicked bags of eight and ten goals many times when I played with him, you know. And he probably wasn't the tallest bloke. You know, he wasn't quick, but he, he, just, he was a very smart footballer. And he was a, I just still remember that, because uh, I think he, we would have trained the Friday night. It must have been his hammy that Friday night, redid it that Friday night. And on the Saturday, like, he could have been sulking or doing whatever he did. But Nick actually rang, pretty sure, I know he rang me, I'm pretty sure he rang every player that was playing in that grand final and just wished them luck. So that just shows you the character of the person he was. But Nick was all about the club, and that's what he's always been. And because he's, he would have been at the club since he was, I suppose, eight or nine, or even earlier. You know, he would have been running around when he was probably four or five, because his dad would have been coaching. So it would have been very hard for Nick because that would have been probably his lifelong dream to, you know, playing a A-grade grand final with St. Bernard. But for us, you still think he was there. Like I know we have all have our reunions these days and have our catch-ups once a year. And you don't even really think that he didn't plan it because he was just such a big part of the club that year. And, so, you know, years before that and years after that. So, for us, we actually think you played it. And so this is the last question I'll have on yourselves and Zaz. But obviously, a great rivalry 
has built since those days, and you now play for the Gary McAllister Cup or Gary McAllister Trophy, the mental health round. What can you tell us about that, I suppose, with the club all coming together for what is a great cause? Yeah, there's no doubt, Gary. I, like I, I know he's a teacher at Xavier, but I know at St. Bernard's he's very high regarded. Gary, premiership captain B grade, you know, did a lot of work with the players, with their fitness, and even the young guys. He put so much effort into the club. Like he's, he'd always had Gary around the club, and he's always up and about and just willing to help out anyone or help out the club. So, I don't know, from our point of view, all those those uh, kind of games playing Xavier are always special, but now you've got that on board, definitely. Uh, adds to it, and I suppose it adds to Xavier as well. And it's definitely important, uh, I suppose, topic these days with uh, mental health and stuff around, you know, uh, in football and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, it definitely does mean a lot to the St. Bernard's community, especially with his brother. David's always heavily involved with the club. His parents were always down there watching back in the day, um, even when David and Gary stopped playing. So, yeah, it definitely is important for us at Xavier-St. Bernard's rivalry. What does St Bernard's mean to you now after spending so long down there? Uh, I suppose it means, to me, it probably means family because, and, and mates because everyone that I'm down there, we're like, still down there. We still go down there on a Saturday. All the old boys need to play with, one, two, threes. <clears throat> They're all sitting in the full pocket with their families and just watching the game and having a laugh. And All the parents are still there up in the grandstand watching so. I think St. Bernard's for me just means family and friends. If you get that out, footy, that's, that's as good as it gets. That's all you need. So there is Danny Byrne, Nico. I regard him as the number one player in St. Bernard's because I got to see a little bit of him play and then I got to train with him. Jock Nelson medal, Nico, 37 disposals and five goals in 2002 as a young 19-year-old. I mean, you don't get better than that. That's the stuff you dream about at any level. That is an absolute day out for any player, let alone a young 19-year-old. Can I just make mention, we spoke to Danny about losing in 2000 uh, to Zavs, then winning 2002. In 2003 and four, they also played off in the grand finals, went down to Zavs, unfortunately by 63 points, and then in 2004 to Uni Blues by 66 points. So in the space of four years, they've played off in three of the four A-grade grand finals, unfortunately just the one premiership to come from it, but... I mean, that window, you could argue, is is almost the most successful period of St. Bernard's from an on-field perspective. And the names that D- Danny mentioned that you can read about in the St. Bernard's books, and we've spoken about it a bit today, it's just so rich with history, and their names are on honour boards across the Mick Perrett Pavilion. So when you do come down next time, I expect to see you looking at those boards and reading some of those names, Nico. I will be, but I'll also have a face full of your pasta bake. Whilst I'm doing it. <laughs> Let's uh, keep moving. And we've got to chat to Simon Madden, the absolute Essendon legend that he is. But, of course, before he was an Essendon legend, he was a St. Bernard superstar. This man I got to meet when I was a young 16-year-old down there. And Simon Madden is the man I'm talking about. He's the senior coach at the time when I came down. And my first meeting with him, Nico, uh, first of all, I will welcome into the program. Hello, Simon. Hello, Joey. How are you? I'm going very well, very well. How are you going? How does this uh, Tuesday afternoon find you? Yeah, it finds me at home. <laughs> I've been working from home for 11 years, so it's nothing really different. <laughs> now, I just mentioned, Simon, I had the great privilege of meeting you as a, as a 16-year-old when I came down to seniors training, and you were the senior coach. And Nico, this is Fedigam. 
Uh, I wasn't sure of the question Simon asked me. He said, now, where are you from, boy? And I said, uh, I'm from around the corner. Uh, I didn't realise he meant, like, what footy club are you from or are you from the juniors or anything. I, I just out of nowhere, I just said, I'm from around the corner. <laughs> so I just live around the corner from the footy club. And that's the first meeting I had with Simon as the senior coach of the footy well, club. Well, well, that was good, though, Joe, because I said, well, he's, he's a local. He probably won't go to another footy club. But no. we've got his, his walking distance. That's exactly right. I haven't left since, Simon, and, and neither has no. yourself. You've been there for a very long time. Oh, look, I, I was a lunatic, right? I was. I look back and I love my time at St. Bernard's coaching, but I was an absolute lunatic. So, uh, <laughs> but it was, I love the people. Frustrating as hell, you know, amateur football. <laughs> football's really important. You know, players go, football's really important. It's really important. I'm going to Europe for six weeks in May, but football's really important, you know. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> so we're all, all we can do is uh, talk about the old days for the moment, mate, but just keep our uh, finger on the pulse of uh, footy to keep connected. So, uh, no, look, I, was, I, was great, I had a great time there and um, we didn't achieve what we were trying to achieve, but then never mind. It was a good, it was a good learning lesson for a lot of people. So I keep looking back going, geez, I was lunatic. If, if it, not that I want to do it, but if you do it now, you'd handle it completely differently. It'd be... Uh, was sort of a, a case of, you know, make a lot of noise and try and motivate blokes and you can see blokes going, it's like a lunatic, it's just a lunatic. <laughs> <laughs> so, Simon, Never mind. how did you get involved in the old boys? Is it just because you went to school at St Bernard's and then off to, obviously, VFL and Essendon yeah. and you come back, or was it because of your sons playing down there as well? Well, no, well, a bit of both. I mean, I, uh, yeah, I was an old St Bernard's boy and when, when I finished playing league footy, you just, my body's had it, you just finished. And you look back and maybe you should have gone and played and all that. But uh, if it had been that same thing, it might have been a team to go and play for. But that didn't happen. But then, of course, our kids went to the school and then they want to play footy. And then, um, of course, the schools affiliated with the old boys, as it should be. Uh, all of a sudden, Josh started to play and I went down and watched. And then somebody said to me, why don't you uh, why don't you help us pick a coach? And I said, yes. And then somebody said, why don't you coach? And I went, oh, why not? Let's have a go. So, uh, was, uh, yeah, one of those ones. But no, it was great to be involved. You know, we, we, when your kids are involved in sport, you get involved too. So rather than stand on the hill and shout like a parent, I stood on the hill and shouted like a coach. So, you know, just was um, uh, a little bit more involved. One of my, uh, the more, the better things that I think I've seen is um, that you're in a club rock band, Better Late Than Never. Have you played <laughs> down, down at the Snake Pit? Uh, we did actually. Early, so this is... Uh, Strange and wonderful, a, a good friend got us to put a band together for one gig. That was 10 years ago and we're still going. We did actually did a, we actually did a couple of early days. We did a couple of gigs down at the uh, Snow Pit for the players. Um, after, you know, Saturday night, just for, for the players, you know, the after, after a game function. So we did that a couple of times. And we would have been doing, in about uh, three, four weeks, we would have been doing a 10-year a reunion or a 10-year um, event for us playing 10 years down at the Eskimo Hotel in Eskimo where we sort of started our pub sort of, uh, you know, that was our standard pub to do work at. Um, but that's not happening. So we just uh, we played a couple times over the internet with each other, a bit of practice, but otherwise it's on hold like everything else. But, uh, Oh, no, it's good fun. Uh, if you want to be if you want to be rich, don't be in a rock band. But if you want to have fun, <laughs> be in a rock band. Put it that way. And what's your role? You don't lead singer, bass guitarist? Oh, no. Uh, look, I, I, have a, I have a real guitar. Um, and I do a little <laughs> bit of singing. I'm not, the, I'm, not the, I'm not the lead guitarist, although I do a little bit of lead. And I'm not the main singer, but I do a bit of singing. So I'm sort of a, um, uh, half, half rhythm, half lead guitar. And uh, I've got a lovely... 1989 Fender Stratocaster, a serious guitar that uh, uh, makes me uh, makes me sound better than what I am, so that's good. 
And uh, yeah, we do all we do all the covers, mate. If you don't know it and can't move your feet, we don't play. It. Simple as that. Oh, I love it. I love it. Now, Simon, of course, you still come down because both your sons, Josh and Isaac, are still involved in the club. I think Josh has retired two or three times and keeps coming back. Uh, we can't get rid of him. He used to sit on people's heads <laughs> down the snake pit. And, of course, Isaac as well, who played uh, a bit of third footy, a bit of second footy, a bit of first footy. He still comes and goes as he pleases as well, the two Madden boys. Yeah, well, it, it's, it's interesting. Uh, Isaac, um, Isaac, it's been a bit harder for him because he's got a job uh, in uh, behind the scenes at the project on TV. And so their hours reach yes. into 7 o'clock when the show's on. So he actually can't get the training. So he was... Uh, he was filling in for the thirds a little bit last year. I played seconds and thirds. So he just sort of, you know, got to, as we do with a lot of people, realise that they can't train during the week, so they'll have fun in the thirds on the weekend. And Josh retired a couple of times, but he went down to help with the thirds and, of course, ended up playing there and still was jumped on people's heads, as he did with that amazing leap. Not probably not as high as he used to, but, uh, <laughs> but look, it's, you know, it's that great involvement, the camaraderie you have with a sports team, whether it's um, male or female, netball, football, basketball, whatever it is. And down at uh, St. Bernard's, as I said, the amateurs is a great competition and St. Bernard's is a great club. And, and I, I love the people, you know, I love the uh, the people I've met uh, through that involvement. We've had some great, uh, built up some great relationships and we, um, you know, can still get together and um, get together and have a great time, even if it's not involving our kids playing or us being involved. But, uh, we still uh, made great connections. Fantastic. Now, Simon, I'm not sure you know or you can remember, but Joey was a very, very good thirds player for a very short period of time. And he starts me. I just want to ask him about his final game before he did it. Well, when he did do his knee injury. Yes. Yes, it was in, uh, what would it be, 2017 now, Nico. Went into half time. I remember, actually, we came out of half time and I, I've gone to the wing where I do some of my best work when I'm nice and fit. And Simon was on the other side of the fence. And he, he said to me, you're on track for three votes today, a bit like Chris Judd. And, and just, like, just like Chris Judd ended his career coming off on a stretcher, uh, I did my knee and got carried off. And as I'm getting carried off, I walk past Simon and said, there's your three votes and I'll uh, hang them up now. And that'll be the career. Well, sorry, yeah, sorry, put the mods on you, mate. You're moving, you're moving very well. And maybe, maybe, I dis- maybe, I, maybe I distracted you from the job at hand. So instead of thinking about where your body and your hand should be, you were thinking about the three votes at the uh, end of the season count. So Correct. that's prob- probably, probably was a distraction to you. So I apologise for that injury, mate. Oh, no, 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 no apology necessary. I look at it as a round trip. If I've come from a kid of 16 around the corner and I'm retiring at uh, nearly 30, uh, thanks to getting three votes from your good self, well, I'm more than happy with the way my career panned out. <laughs> oh, well, it's good, mate. That's, that's well, you've done well. I, uh, I finished at 34. Some some people said that I should have finished at 32, but I kept going. Don't worry, I'll push right out at the end. You know, when you get that stage, you've got all the footy out of your system, so you're right, you're happy. You then can stand on the sideline and and, uh, and be you know one of the great judges of football now that you've done it and you're retired. So it's. Uh, You've pushed all the, all the football out of the system, mate. That's good. We really appreciate you giving us some of your time, Simon. Enjoy your afternoon. Look after yourself, Thanks. and hopefully uh, we don't have uh, much longer to go till we get some footy back again. Yeah, good on you guys. Thanks very much for your time. And, yeah, and uh, keep positive. Look after each other. And, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's really important that we look after each other on this. And uh, hopefully, well, we will. We'll all get through it. We're good, we're good people. And um, together we'll get through it. We'll have a great footy season whenever it happens. Thanks, guys. Well, Nico, during the Clubs in Focus podcast, we're asking all our clubs that if their club was in the coronavirus lockdown, as we all currently are, who would be the players of the current group that would keep the rest of them 
entertained. And this man we're about to chat to has come through prominently. He's Nathan the Clamp Kazuro. He's a member of the 2015 A-grade Premiership side, and he joins us now. Hello, Nath. You got Nikki. How are we, gentlemen? We're going well, great man. We're going well, and thanks for joining us. Now, uh, I noticed in the last couple of days, the footy club has put everyone into groups during this isolation period to lead the way, make themselves entertaining and all that type of thing on WhatsApp, on Zoom meetings, come up with something funny. Uh, what are you in charge of doing at this moment, Nath? So basically, yeah, as you said, Friday afternoon, we did a um, live and interactive draft. Seven senior players on our list, including the other under-19. And we just drafted one by one into a... I think we ended up with teams of about 12 or something like that. I'm the general manager of one of the teams. <laughs> and every week we'll be doing a um, different type of challenge and we'll be accruing um, points. By this time when, um, you know, hopefully six months down the track, whenever, when footy's back, the winning team with the, with the most amount of points will um, receive a prize, whether that be you know, a monetary value or, um, you, know, that we, you know, you know down the Bernard we've got a few people in a couple of high places. Yes. So, um, <laughs> whether, they can, whether they can assist us in maybe a corporate box at a sporting event or something like that. <laughs> so uh, I'm not uh, not targeting anyone in particular, but it would be nice. And what are you so, what are you thinking about doing? Have you got any uh, have you you storyboarded some ideas? Have you kicked around some stuff yet? Yeah, we've definitely kicked around a few things. So Grovesy's um new coach Grovesy's leading the, the charge when it comes to the ideas. So the first one is every group has to submit a minute video clip of one of your members singing a song. So you'll be rated on quality of song, quality of voice, if you can dance during the song as well. So you'll be scored out of, say, five categories. You'll be scored out of 50. And then, um, yeah, the winning winning team will get points and go to the top of the board. So, And then there's another one we're going to do, which is a we might do like a, a group quaddy as well. And the, if the team that wins the, the most amount of money will get points. So we've got... We're not short of ideas at this stage. It's just trying to get one of the boys to sing a song for the whole group is um, is becoming a bit of a challenge. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I think I might have to do it to kickstart the to kickstart it all off. Nate, I'm just looking through your Instagram page because obviously that's how you get to know your guests better than anywhere. <laughs> and I've just seen that you've um, recently taken a trip over to America, but. Uh, Early January, you became engaged to the lovely Elise. So, congratulations, mate! I just wanted to ask you how that all came about. How did you actually pop the question? Well, um, yeah, she's all right. The, the other half, I don't want to talk <laughs> up too much. She'll, she'll get she'll, her, her skull bloody blow up like a blimp. So, I'll, um, I'll, I'll leave that. But um, now, I've been with her about seven years, and the plan was to, to try and get it done over there. I, I um, I butchered it a little bit though, so trust, trust me to butcher it. Be like one of these kids out of the centre. So I had plans to do it top of the Rockefeller in the year, and I went up the. Uh, we were there on the day, had the ring and everything, and I went to. Well, I thought I put the private area up there a few days before, and I went there on, on the day just before we were going up, and I said, my private area already? And they said, nah, um, you never. <laughs> Um, you never replied to our confirmation email because I'd booked it like two days before I left to go to America and then I, when I got over there I wasn't getting any emails 
stole. I had an American SIM card when I landed, so I'd never replied to the confirmation email. But all this time, I'd I was thinking, I'm, yeah, I'm ready to go. And I got there and there was no area booked for me or nothing. And I booked the dinner after to celebrate. Oh, mate. And the, the stress I was at at that dinner because I, I just couldn't stop thinking about it. So eventually I tried to do it at this park after. And bloody trust me, Mrs. to see you. They've got Shake Shack over there, which is the burger joint. So for some absurd reason, she wanted a chocolate fish cake. So she had a chocolate fish cake and she started... She started feeling sick. So I'm like, I'm not proposing when she's feeling sick. So I went to go back to the hotel. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry to drag this on, but I went back to the hotel and I'm like, I'm going to do it on the balcony here. You know, if we, we're in the heart of New York. I go, oh, yeah, this is it. Okay, oh, I just got to go to the tour quickly. I went to the tour to just check the ring was still there, gave it a bit of a polish. I come out and we misses on the bed in her pajamas. Oh no! I'm like, oh, I can't, I can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> I waited till the next night. Then on our balcony in our room, I did it there. Got there in the end, but not without a few, um, few little hassles along the way. <laughs> no, that's a, that's an absolute ripper. Just a little, little bit of a change of tack here. I just want to take you back to the end of last season. You came runner-up to the great man Adam Bentick in the club's best and fairest award. We've been talking on this podcast about some of the better players that have played for Bernard since 1963. And obviously over the last couple of years, you've had Chad Jones, Adam Bentick, the Caven boys. Who are the better players, I suppose, um, that you've played with? And for what reasons? Obviously, Adam Bentick being number one. Yeah, I, Adam Bentick it would be head and shoulders above any other player. I think just the way he conducts himself, not only on the field, but it's I couldn't couldn't have learned more from a a, a player, in, in, you know, during my time playing footy, and just the role model that he is. Where he's different, he's not he's not the um, you know he's not your party animal or anything like that. There there are few of us are, but the mateship he's provided over the years is second to none. And then obviously you mentioned the, the Caven boys. I think Tom being towards the the end of his career probably hasn't had that. You know, that rookie of understandable, that form that he had, you know, probably 2010 type of and throughout our premiership years. And then I think Simon's the one that probably doesn't get spoken about enough. I, I, I honestly think come the end of his career, and he's had a few injuries, I think Simon could be the, the best haven out of the lot. He's just, the way the way he led us last year prior to the injury and, and the kind of respect that we have for him and he has for us around the playing group. And then I guess the last one, not there anymore, but was could have probably been oh, anything. It was just Tom Sullivan. So I'm pretty sure you, you, you'll both remember him pretty fondly. But he had three um, three seniors in an F by you know, 23 years of age. And if they... Um, in Hedwig Street, he might have bloody kept me out of the midfield. So that's <laughs> kind, of, kind of not too bad that he... He went away, but he um, just his, his pace and speed and endurance. He was just precise. He just he had it all. He certainly did, Nate. Now you mentioned and Nick asked you legend beautifully about uh, Bentick. Now does it just help that a little bit more that he played for the old Dark Navy Blues and you are the most passionate old Dark Navy Blues fan that there is? 
Absolutely, and some Burnets fans love watching him go about it, as you every single week. Now, he asked you about who are the good players. Who are your, your ones that you just get so annoyed by, not only oh. in training stocks on a Thursday night, but on a Saturday Pignatara. afternoon who just... Pignatara. You can say me if it is. That is more than okay. But uh, <laughs> it's been a while, Nico, since Nathan and I took the field in the same 22, that's for sure. <laughs> have we ever been? Have we, oh. have we, have we ever can we ever grace the field? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe kick. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't remember I'm now. Not, I'm going to drop that low as a third kick. Sorry, <laughs> mate. So, I've never... I'd be playing one Tuesday come back from injury that year. Oh, yeah, I might have got, so. got dropped for that game for you. <laughs> 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 oh, so who's, who, who's, a, who's an annoying player? Or a, give me, give me the, some that just give you the irrits and you think, oh. I get frustrated at, at Charlie's age, um, <laughs> particularly because he's my best player. But I get frustrated at him because he's a, he's a bloody good footballer. But I don't know what's like between the two ears. If it's a bit of bloody dirt or dust or something, he's sometimes a bit of an airhead on the on the field. But he's a bloody good footballer. <laughs> he's probably one that that springs to mind. And then the other one, I, I, I'll say this behind closed doors, but it's Jack Mack. Because he, he, he could he could knock me over if he, if he wanted to, but you don't know if he, he can get in a bit of an angry mood sometimes, big Jackie boy, and um, then the, you know that there's going to be a few fifty meter penalties that day. So probably <laughs> uh, those two that spring to mind. But when they're on song, Nico, as you and I got to see last year, especially mm. with Jack Mack, boy oh boy, can he take a mark up forward? He is a great focal point. Last one. From me, Nath, before we let you go. You were part of the A-grade flag in 2015. I want you first to explain what that day was like for you and then your reasons for coming back at the start of last year and rejoin the St Bernard's Footy Club after a couple of years away in the Essendon Districts. Take us through 2015, the day, and then take us through your reasons for coming back. 2015, the day, I, I mean, you, you probably hear it a lot, but it was, it was honestly the best day of my life. I can't... The fact, and the, all, all the facts being that, that bit sweeter, that was the the year that Alstonwick was getting the Renault done. So I got to, I got to buddy, I got to run up the buddy Carlton Ray play me and his beloved, and his beloved off the sofa. We were, you know, to the latter part of Carlton playing, then the memories went too cracked. We were getting done by about 80 points every game. But, so, nah, it was, it was, oh, just, just the fact to play there and then the, that year against Trinity, the, the, the rivalry we, we had from, I, I think, looking back, it went 
Um, they won by five points. We won by six points. They won by seven points in that qualifying final, and then we won by eight points in the in the grand final. And to, people still say that was that was arguably one of the greatest, you know, Zappa grand finals going around. And then, mate, the celebrations after. And the, I think I took the week off work. Like, could not. So if I didn't have a beer in my hand twenty four seven for that week, then something, <laughs> something was wrong. So, but um, you just saw how much it means, not only to the players but to the club. And I think that's, I think that's one of the reasons definitely was was coming back. I think I had to do what I had to do, and I wanted to try um, EDFL for two years and, and see how that all went. But in the end of the like, it, it, they're very money. Um, dominated leagues, and you don't feel that kind of warmth and, and love you do in a, at a VAFA club. I mean, people play at the VAFA club because they genuinely love the club. You know what I mean? You, we, I don't want to go too much into it, but you know, you, people got their money at, 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 in EDFL, and they, you know, they go like they don't they don't spend time at the club, they don't go to functions, so. I think you see how much work and effort people put into a VAFA club. So no, sometimes I think, why do they do it? Why do they spend 40 hours a week there for no money? You know, some weeks we get smashed, but they generally love the club, the environment, and the people. And, and that was definitely the draw card for me back. And, and that's, that's, I guess, how the VAFA runs the league, and they do it really well. Now, I'm, I'm rapidly back. Still, I'm not out there at the moment trying to, trying to get a kick. There's uh, bigger things in life than footy at the moment. Absolutely. So we'll, when we can get back on the park, we'll get back on. Uh, absolutely. Really well spoken, Nath. We appreciate you joining us on, on the Club in Focus podcast. Look after yourself, and we look forward to seeing you out there very soon. Sounds good. Thanks, gentlemen. Nico, this has been a massive edition of the Clubs in Focus. We've been looking at the St. Bernard's Old Collegians Footy Club dating back to 1963, that first premiership all the way through until the current side of 2019, looking into 2020. And, uh, well, we know that my ties with the footy club are forever strong. And uh, that's probably, probably went a little bit over. But uh, we're looking forward to definitely getting through many more of the Amos clubs in our competition. No, an outstanding hour and outstanding interviews. I mean, even talking from Simon Madden to Nath Kazira to Veronica and obviously Danny, but even Nath just getting him off topic. doesn't need to be about footy, but... When it is, he can come straight back to. He talks about his love for the club and how it comes back after he goes away and does what he needs to do. But Simon, obviously, with his sons there. Veronica, 25 years. We always take the mickey out of you for going a bit too far for some burners, but today <laughs> it's been absolutely perfect, man. It's been great to listen to some of those interviews. It holds a very special place for me, St. Bernard's, as all Amos clubs for people in their Amos clubs that we're going to talk through throughout this series, we've already heard from the likes of Albert Park. They are just fantastic places to be, footy clubs. And at times like this, they're sort of the only place you want to be because you know the people around the place. And it sort of burns a little bit. And maybe you do as well, being inside the Ammos organisation, that we aren't out there playing at the moment. And these clubs aren't together training a couple of times a week. But even just being there for those Thursday night dinners or the club functions that they run throughout the year, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there feeling the effects of all of this, but there are ways that they can reach out to one another, be it on social media, be it on a phone call, or just going for a walk with one of them because you are allowed, Nico, to walk in groups of two. 
You are, you are. Now, I know that the police are coming down hard at the moment, so make sure you stick to the rules, but absolutely reach out, and footy clubs are one of the best places to do that. Now, we've mentioned a lot of history about this footy club. One man Danny Byrne mentioned during his chat was Neil Lachlan. He was the man who brought Danny Byrne back to our footy club, St Bernard's. He's also the man, Nico, who's credited with writing the magnificent St Bernard's Footy Club theme song that they belt out after wins every single time and have been sung with plenty of gusto over the years, seven times as premiers of the competition, be it in E-grade, D-grade, B-grade or in A-grade. And as we're going to finish off all of these uh, podcast series episodes with is the club song. But first of all, Nico, I'd best say a big thanks to your good self for giving up your time this afternoon. No, and thank you, Joey, for giving up your time, mate. It's been fantastic, and I really look forward to continuing to put these together for all of our clubs. So remember, clubs out there who are listening to this, just send through information to myself and Joey because we love to brag about your club for you. Absolutely, Nico. And uh, we couldn't do this without the uh, support of Mequicare. They've been a proud partner of the Amos for the last couple of years and been around since 1959. So check them out on the website. Nico, as we're going to finish every single one of these podcasts with, here is the St Bernard's Footy Club belting out their favourite. Famous thief song.